Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure that you knew that my online knee course with Lenny Macrina is on sale for $200 off this week. If you want to learn exactly how to evaluate and treat the knee, you're going to love our comprehensive course where we cover our clinical examination, exercise progressions, and specific information on ACL, meniscus, patellofemoral, articular cartilage, osteoarthritis, and so much more. Plus, you can earn a ton of CEU credit. The course is on sale this week for $200 off. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash knee for more information and to sign up today. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we try a completely different approach. We're going to turn the tables on ourselves. We've all picked names out of a hat, and we're going to ask each other questions this time. So you get to hear some insightful conversation. I think it's pretty good. Big props to MikeScaduto.com for giving us our, our idea for this episode, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I'm up at Champion PT and Performance, Lenny McCrina, Dave Tilly, Dan Pope, Mike Scaduto. We're here with our awesome students who we're going to give the episode off, right? So they're actually, we're going to do something a little bit different, but Zach Tally-Ho and Logan Genghis Klon are both here from their respective schools. I'll leave it at that. And uh, we're going to do a, a little bit of a different episode today. So our new physical therapist of champion, Mike Scaduto, uh, who, from MikeScaduto.com, by the way, um, he had an idea for a new episode. Mike, why don't you share with everybody what we're going to do with this episode? Yeah, so I guess uh, we love getting your questions, and uh, we love answering your questions and all that, but I think we, we often run questions by each other on a day-to-day basis in the clinic. And uh, just wanted to give us like a platform to kind of share questions we ask each other, and maybe uh, ask some questions that we, we found interesting, to, like learn about our, our coworkers a little Dig bit. It. So I love it. All right, so we're gonna ask each other questions. So how do we do this, Mike? Tell them what, what we did. How do we figure out so who was asking we, who? We randomly picked a name out of a hat. Secret Santa. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do Secret Santa. Randomized the study. So we picked names out of a hat to see who was gonna get who. And I don't know if we all know, right? I mean, some of us don't know who we have. I, I don't know. You don't know who, who has, has you. Who has me. Yeah, so we don't, so we don't know, but we're going to ask some, some good questions. So we're going to ask the questions. We're going to turn the table on ourselves, I guess, today. Leonard, we'll go down the room this way. We'll go that way. But okay. Leonard, yeah. start it off. Who'd you got? I got Kiefer, who is not here today, so we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tell you what. So if you had Kiefer... I would have asked Kiefer. KieferLammy.com. I would actually go and unsubscribe to him <laughs> since he's not here. Let's, let's do a hashtag unsubscribe to Kiefer. <laughs> he only has three people. <laughs> His mom. Oh, oh wow. wow. Um, See, when you're not here, you just get beat yeah. up. Len, you want to so you, you ask me a question, oh. but we'll go out of order? Because um, Kiefer had me, right? Is that what Kiefer I heard? You, yeah. So Kiefer had me. So why don't you ask me a question? Okay. But, but Mike, let's start on your end. Who did right. you ask? So I drew, uh, I drew Dave Tilly. Um, it was kind of tough coming up with a question for Dave. He's he's kind of he's kind of pretty brilliant guy. So what oh. I came up with, uh, like, I thought it was going the other way. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know a lot. You guys, can't, you guys can't see his desk right now, but there's literally just research sprawled everywhere, and uh, it looks like he's he's kind of diving headfirst into neuroendocrine uh, responses to exercise. I was just kind of wondering, like, where you're headed with that, and, and what clinical applications you're taking taking out of that research. I'll keep it very brief. I yeah. promise. So the reason that I started getting into this, like, neuroendocrinology and stress responses, 
Um, I think that the more I looked at larger gymnastics problems and other injuries, we treat a lot of very high CrossFit athletes that are kind of beat up. And when you look at like what's going on, a lot of it comes down to proper loading and, you know, workload ratios and like stress responses, right? The whole cascade of that. And so I found that there's, it's not going to overhaul the way I treat people, but I think it has a lot to do with designing programs, um, understanding like blood flow restriction training or like why we're dosing people in certain ways for rehab. Uh, as we talk about often the podcast, I think like the amount of strength training that's used in PT is overlooked. And I think that there's a lot of room for improvement on understanding some of the nitty gritty physiology of that. Um, I also find it super interesting to think about how someone's total training environment can affect some a lot deeper levels. Okay. So. so based on all that, what, give the reader something. Where, what can they look into? What would you recommend they start to get into this? Um, Robert Sapolsky. I think that his work is uh, definitely pretty pivotal in the field of like merging a lot of different aspects of science. Um, Dan and I read a lot of his work and I've read all of his books and his articles and stuff. And um, he just put it into a perspective to me about how like, you know, it's not only about training stress. There's a lot of other stress, especially in the athletic population, especially if you're talking about professional elite battle athletes who have like careers riding on it, money and people involved. I think um, I was surprised to see how much that was involved at the higher athletic level. And it helped me kind of understand people who like maybe are freaking out about an injury or like, you know, worried about a competition or stuff like that. Awesome. Sweet. Good answer. I like it. Daniel Pope. Who'd you get? I got Michael Scaduto. No. This is like Secret Santa. Yeah. All right. So, Michael, from time to time, I may be working with a golf athlete that has low back pain. I feel like that's a fairly common thing. Would you tend to agree? Yeah, I'd say is that it. Is it? <laughs> yes, no question. I feel like they refer to it. Is, it is quite common. Yes, next question. Yeah, oh, you got to okay. definitely talk about this ahead of time. <laughs> All right, keep you yeah. right, Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the whole question. Okay. <laughs> what are some of the common findings in that type of person? And the other thing that I was curious about is what are some of the technical changes you might make to their swing? Because I don't really know a ton about that. Okay. Uh, well, to answer the first part, yes, low back pain is the number one uh, most common like area of discomfort for golfers, ranging from 54% to 80% of uh, golfers experience some bout of low back pain. So, yeah, pretty, pretty common, uh, the majority of golfers. Um, kind of what we find, and, and typically you want to start with like the subjective history. So um, overuse is the number one risk factor for developing low back pain. Typically see it in amateurs who may have uh, more swing faults than professionals. They're just kind of overdoing it especially on the dry range. like they, they don't get a good warm-up. They don't have a great strength and conditioning program, a little bit under-trained and, and too much volume of, of hitting golf balls. Um, so that's the first thing you kind of want to look at uh, in this objective history. From there, you probably want to do some kind of movement screen, figure out if there's any mobility restrictions above and below um, or anywhere in the body that can lead to a little more stress in the low back. And TPI and, and Titleist have kind of put together um, a great program to kind of maybe correlate some of the findings that you have in the screen um, to physical characteristics in your golf swing and kind of what potentially that could be doing for, for a little back pain. Um, so check that out if you're interested. Um, and then, what was the last part of the question? Technical, like technical change. change. Yeah. Uh, you wrote the question, Mike. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I have written an article on the blog post. Um, technical golf changes, like golf swing changes, I wouldn't do a ton, personally. Um, I just That's not my area of expertise. So I, I'm not going to make drastic changes to the golf swing. I would recommend working with a golf coach, um, I think, to make those kind of golf swing changes. But we can optimize their movement to put them in a better position to kind of make um, swing ch- meaningful swing changes. Right? So say they like early extend, for those of you who don't know, it's just the hips kind of come forward in the downswing through impact. 
um, puts a little more stress on the low back. Uh, a lot of times it, it, it's a limitation in like hip mobility. They have trouble internally rotating onto the lead hip. Um, so if you kind of clean some of that up and then send them to a golf coach and they work on the technique, it, it tends to be pretty successful. Well, thank you. Yeah, there it is. Good job. Good answer. <coughs> Me, Dave Tilly. Who'd you get? I have Daniel Pope. Oh, oh I think we could have figured that yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sure. So my question is for Dan. Um, I would say that the thing that I think uh, you kind of know the best or the most about is kind of like some of the in between gray area between like the advanced rehab stage and kind of like the strength finishing performance realm. And so I think. I'm curious to know your thoughts on returning to impact for like ACL, knee, kind of hip stuff. I think that you've studied a lot of like Lee Taft's work and some other stuff from your strength conditioning background. How do you kind of approach like, because they're usually not in pain, they're usually like, oh, I want to start doing some more like aggressive stuff. And we kind of have a system that we've known from Lenny and Mike, which is like a lot of things, but like how did you kind of tweak or add things in based on like plyometrics? Yeah. Um, so I think a, a little bit of it's going to have to come down to what the, the surgeon's comfortable from a tissue healing perspective. So it's not like you can go like, Okay, two, week two, we're going to go do some jumping. Um, in general, that may start like between like three. I mean, it's not all like, okay, yeah. this person can single leg dead, let's go jump. Um, but if um, they're around three to four months or so, um, I think leading up to being able to uh, jump, change the direction, that type of thing, we probably should display if they're able to do things like single leg squat well, single leg deadlift on one leg really well, and then you have some good symmetry between the two. Because when I look at someone who jumps or lands, especially one leg at a time, it's, it's essentially just like a single-legged deadlift or single-legged squat. If they can't do that with just their body weight, then how the heck are they going to do it once we start you know, loading that? Um, and then I think that we have, and it's not like it's an evidence-based thing, but we can think about the demands of jumping, um, landing, changing direction. We can just go backwards and we can come up with something that's very, very easy for that individual. So might be starting with something like just pogo jumps, where we're just learning to take a, just a small bit of impact through the ankle, through the knee, through the hip, and that may turn into a box jump. So... When you box jump, it's two legs at a time, so you're not really loading up one leg at a time at this point, and we can work on the jumping phase, and we don't even have to worry about the landing phase because the landing is actually elevated surface, so it's not that tough. And then you can even walk off the edge and work on landing. So now you're working on all the phases of the jump. Once they have put that together, now you might be doing two-legged jumps, and if they're displaying very good competency there, we can move on to single-legged jumping. And again, it starts very small with like a, a single-legged box jump with nice landing, and then we progress. Um, as far as change of direction, it goes the same exact way. I think you can use some very easy ladder drills to work on what um, the body position-wise takes when you're trying to cut and change directions at a low impact, and then work your way up to more speed, um, make it more dynamic. And then I think at the, the far end of the equation, we may not always look at is that I think that being able to do like a crossover triple jump is also very important in making sure that technique looks good, but uh, let's make sure we bridge that gap. I know Tim Gabbett has a lot of research about things like VO2 max being really important to reduce your likelihood of getting an injury, right? How many times are you actually looking at like your aerobic base and then getting enough repetitions in it? Not just moving well, but trying to take yourself to the point where you've, you've handled as much volume as what your practice is going to have or more, you know? I think that's kind of that last stage that we don't tend to think about from a uh, performance perspective. Poker's on fire, Wow. Hot. On fire. Lit. All right, I got Len. So I guess my question for Len is, maybe why don't you walk the readers and us, but the listeners, whatever, nobody's reading this right now. (laughs) Transcribed. Walk everybody through your thought process, because I've been struggling with this for the last few months, like just, you know, watching you and stuff like that. But walk us through the thought process during the fantasy football draft. In the second round, you seem to really take a, an odd path, and your team's really suffered this year. I made the playoffs. So, all right, so <laughs> that is a sincere question, but we'll talk about that in our spare time. 
So, Len, you have a, you have a diverse background oh, okay. of stuff where, where, you, where you've come from. So I guess my question for you is, what do you think you've changed the most as a clinician since starting here at Champion and, and joining Champion here from your past experience? And those that don't know Len, Len, he was down in Birmingham for a while um, with Kevin Wilk and Dr. Andrews at their center. He was in North Carolina for a little bit as well before that. He was a student of ours down at, at, at in Birmingham at the time, and then he was uh, um, he worked in a, a sewage treatment plant prior to physical right. therapy school. So he's been through a lot. So I, what do you think? How do you think you've changed the yeah. most? What's changed the most from you? More tumble track. Well, I've learned a lot about gymnastics. Um, I actually have somewhat. Um, it's definitely an evolution in anybody's career. I think my evolution has gone from um, you know the post op. I get to see them for 8 to 12 weeks, and then I lose them because of insurance limitations. To now, I, I see people, I feel like I've, we've been open for three-plus years. I see people at crazy at different stages of their crazy life where I, I'm seeing somebody post-op day one. I'm seeing somebody that's three years out of a surgery, and I need to figure out you know, what's the best uh, episode of care for them. We didn't see a lot of that, I feel like, in Alabama where we were limited by insurance um, and, and, and that. That, that was a huge limitation. So I get to see people very, very much so advanced uh, so far out that I need to be able to understand uh, movement a lot better. It's not just give them an exercise program and, and push them off to a tech. I'm seeing people one-on-one. I'm seeing people uh, less frequently. So I don't see people three times a week like I used to, um, once a week, once every other week. So I've had to really learn how to and take to the next level, watch people move. I've had to learn uh, more powerlifting type techniques uh, that people like to utilize and, and having Dan and Dave and Mike here and, uh, and Mike S. Uh, Skidudo has helped to uh, give me that education as well and learning from the Mike Robertsons and the Eric Cressys of the world watching their courses as well. So I've really had to evolve into a higher level PT. Push it to the limit. Nice. That's good. I like that. Good answer, right? Good answer, good answer. <laughs> now, who was my second round draft? I feel like this is a uh, family feud. <laughs> who was my second round draft? <laughs> good answer. Even it's up there, show it! Auntie, that was terrible. <laughs> uh, Mike, I did not get you, but I was giving you. Mike Reynolds. Yes. You have always been a visionary. Um, you, uh, you have your own website, which you were one of the first PTs to do that. Um, you... Uh, coming from the Red Sox, you and I, especially you, helped put this uh, beautiful company together, Champion PT and Performance. We're grateful. We're grateful. Um, so I feel like in incorporating the, um, the the PT and the fitness aspect, which I know a lot of people see that as the future of PT, what do you see in the next five to ten years as the future of PT? For me personally or for the professional? For the Cape Cod. I've seen frozen daiquiris. No, I mean, other than us for the, taking... For, for the profession, meaning telehealth, things of that nature. Where do you see the profession going? It's the blockchain. It's 100% the blockchain. And I can't explain blockchain better than yeah. that. Blockchain and jetpacks. Well, so I've teamed up, actually, I guess we can make an announcement, I've teamed up with Elon Musk, and we are going to colonize <laughs> Mars with the first physical therapy clinic. We're going to have champion PT performance on Mars, <laughs> and it is going to be lit. 
Um, no, um, I don't know. It, that's a good question. So Lenny brought up telehealth. That's interesting. I, you know, I, I think the future of physical therapy, um, you brought up how, how we administer it th- via telehealth as an mm-hmm. example. And I think that's definitely going to become you know a thing. We're building out an online platform here at Champion that we're going to do for our online fitness stuff because so many people want to do our programs around the world. We're going to be able to do that for them. But I do think we're going to try to capitalize on that uh, from a business perspective through telehealth for the physical therapy aspect as well. I just got a letter in the mail from my insurance carrier that we now have telehealth for the doctor. You know, so I don't even, we've gone from going to your primary care in a hospital to going to the minute clinic or wh- whoever, you know, like a, the, the express doctor in the strip mall to now just going on a website and seeing people. So I think we can figure that out. But I, I really think the future, if we want to break out not just where it is, I think the future for us, we have to evolve from just the people that work with somebody one week after surgery. We have to start getting to a point where we're actually helping people that that become more proactive with their bodies and proactive with their with with how they maintain themselves, right? So we always talk about how much effort we put into our retirement plans, our financial packages, and stuff like that, but we do nothing into our portfolio of our health, right? So. Okay, now we're getting good with supplements and vitamins and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, our, our doctors are, you know, they know exactly the percentage of things we need to do each year for blood work and stuff to minimize our, our risk of disease down the road, right? The dentist association has convinced us we need to get our teeth cleaned twice a year, stuff like that, right? They've done a good job. Physical therapy needs to get to the forefront of the public's mind when it comes to helping people be proactive. If you think you need to go to a gym and you think you need to actually work out to be healthy, that's awesome. We also have to optimize our bodies, right? So it's not just not just, just go to the gym and work out. We have to figure out how to optimize it. So to answer your question, I think that's the future of physical therapies. How do we be proactive at optimizing our bodies to put us in the best position to succeed? And I think that's going to be... That's going to really be what what makes a difference for us as a society too. That we just we can actually now like we, we can focus and shift our focus on proactive care instead of retro retroactive healthcare. You know, when it comes to physical therapy, we're getting there with other disciplines. We need to get there with physical therapy. That's what I'd say. Bridge, exciting. Bridge, awesome. All right, good episode. Mike Scaduto. Good idea for an episode. Thanks, buddy. This is a fun one. We got to ask each other some questions. Um, we'll see. Maybe we'll come up with some more uh, creative ones down the road. I think this will be fun. But Pictionary. But, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> that uh, sloth commercial. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> It'll be awesome. Uh, but thanks so much, guys. So we'll get back to your questions on the next episode. So please uh, go to MikeRyle.com, click on that podcast link, and there's a form to fill out if you want to ask us questions. Just shoot away anything you want to hear about, including Lenny's fantasy football disaster of a season. So it just made the playoffs. So I guess <laughs> big comeback in week 13. But anyway, uh, but thanks so much, guys. We appreciate it. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinal.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinal.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.